Welcome to Stories from the Pitch, a podcast dedicated to creating a living oral history about street performing and some of the crazy characters who populate this world. I'm Magic Brian, your host for this growing collection of interviews. If you're listening to this episode on the day it was released, that would be April 1st, 2020. That means a couple things. First, it's the day we announce our new inductees into the Busker Hall of Fame. Second, we're living in the middle of a pandemic. That's right, the coronavirus has taken over the world, and I'm living in New York City, where it's pretty crazy. Um, so, I wanted to release an episode uh, to kind of address the situation of the pandemic, and also to celebrate our two new inductees, so I thought, why not have a conversation with them via Skype? Um, through the computer is now the method we all do communicate with our friends, our family, and perhaps do shows. I've done one the other night on Facebook and Instagram. We had a conversation about the pandemic, about thoughts about the future street performing, and also about their lives and their careers. They're two old friends. Uh, they met, I think it was in 1998. They worked the same pitch together in Boston, and uh, we had a great conversation. Also, another inductee, posthumously, is Sam Skirfield. Uh, he passed away in December, and Dave Southern sent me an email with a little blurb, in case you don't know who he is, about Sam. Sam Skirfield passed away after a short illness in December 2019. Sam first hit the streets as a juggler in the early 80s. He became part of a three-piece group called the Sorosties, who worked all over the UK with groundbreaking and technical juggling routines. Politically active, he toured Nicaragua and Georgia doing shows and promoting peace and communication. He is perhaps best known for his work with Andy Beattie. The Sam Andy Jugglers worked in York and the Edinburgh Festival from 1989 through until 2010. They were the godfathers of the pitch. With his gruff Yorkshire demeanor, he would sort out the list and lay down the rules. He was a democratic listener and would always allow people their say, even if they were wrong. He was straight-talking but supportive and took many performers under his wing. He will be remembered by anyone that worked at Edinburgh at that time. Their legendary finale, where Andy went up the pillars, is still talked about now. He'll be sadly missed and has earned his place in the Busker Hall of Fame. Thank you, Dave. I'll also post a link to his obituary in the episode notes. And now, enjoy my conversation with Al and Jim. Well, hello, new inductees to the Busker Hall of Fame. Al and Jim, congratulations. Woo-hoo, yay. Um, we made it. Yeah, you made it. <laughs> and I thought, um, since we're in strange times right now, it is uh, March something, March 23rd, 2020, uh, and we are uh, in the midst of a worldwide pandemic. The right. coronavirus has taken over. So it's I like figured, the biggest event in our lifetime. Yeah, so far. Yeah. Pretty wild. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And um, considering that many people are out of work, especially street performers, and uh, I have the two new inductees, I thought we might have a little chat about what you guys are thinking about what's going on. I know, Jim, you're, you're retired uh, from performing. Uh, you have your, your farm. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, I haven't street performed since 2012, so uh, I'm a little out of the loop, but I do still watch and follow everybody and uh, feel like I'm still connected, always connected, you know, yeah. but uh, I haven't been out on the streets in eight years. Right. And Al, you're, you're in, we're both in semi-retirement because we can't work right now. Right. Yeah. Forced retirement. Forced retirement. 
Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I had gigs up until, like, you know, last weekend, uh, and then everything else is cancelled for the next couple of months. So, uh, yeah, I'm just like, I mean, I didn't work in, like, um, most of November and Jan- and December, just as, like, a, you know, that's my winter time off. And I'm just yeah. like, hey, uh, I guess it's, like, second winter for me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about that because I remember back when I was doing this, how you'd work all summer and think, I'm going to save all my acorns so I can live through the winter. And then around March, you know, you were starting to get a little low and raring to go. And then, you know, now it's March and everything's shutting down. So I know I'm, I'm, uh, I'm bummed for the, for the weekends coming that I know are coming that are going to be gorgeous weather. Yeah, and I know it's gonna be like first it would be few like spring perfect, weekends. Yeah, it would be the perfect time to be doing shows, and it's just not gonna happen. No, no, it's weird. It's when when your skill is gathering crowds, and mm-hmm. uh, we can't use our skills. It's illegal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <clears throat> Stay inside. Yeah. So yeah, uh, we don't even know what the what the end of this is gonna look like. Well, who knows what, what effects, you know, you won't know for a year or two, like what the effects are, you know, or how it's going to affect street performing in, uh, as an industry or, or how people's health, like people are going to die. You know what I mean? Like I was thinking about that a couple of days ago, just people that I know, like I look at Facebook sometimes and I'm like, how many of these people am I never going to see again? Wow. And I, I think more more of that now. I'm thinking like my family and my friends. Like, you know, there's there's a chance that there's a lot of them or some of them that I won't ever see again. Yeah. Well. Sorry to be depressing. No, it's depressing. <laughs> now I'm gonna think about that. Yeah. Thoughts on that, Jim? That little bright shining star. That that just turned a corner there. Um. Yeah, no, I was I was just thinking about the future of performing in general and I mean I I did this kind of back in the heyday of the the 90s when things were just really good everywhere. Golden Festivals years. were booming. It was yeah. it was the the it was it was the heyday and uh I kind of saw the writing on the wall for me at least around 2005, 2006 when uh, you know, online video, just, you know, YouTube kicked in and people started to be able to see the kind of stuff that we do on their phones, you know, right. and, and it, it just, I noticed the crowds changed, the attention span changed, um, you know, what people could be entertained with changed mm-hmm. and people weren't sitting through a 40 minute, you know, show anymore. No. And it started to, for me at least be really hard to hold my crowds, yeah. uh, when even five years earlier, I was I was killing it. Everything was great and easy. Um, and then I just slowed down, started doing gigs, and left the street. Uh, but but yeah, what is my point? Um, What's the next I don't know phase? what the next thing is. I don't know what the yeah. next thing is. I mean, for me, I, I just I left performing. I mean, I yeah. I'm doing other things now. Yeah. But uh, I I think. The the next, I mean, you gotta you gotta look ahead at you know what, how are people being entertained? What do people do for entertainment now? Yeah, do they go well, out anymore? Do they do they yeah. stop on the street? I haven't been out there to to see 
how people's shows have evolved over the last eight years. I mean, are shows more, are, are they shorter? Are they, um, are they more punchy? I think like, so. What's going are, on? Like, the new like generation of, like, of street performers that comes now, uh, it's a much more um, trick-based um, and music-based uh, kind of less comedy, more stunts kind of vibe, yeah. you know, whereas, you know, like, people... Almost from, like produced. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, totally. So, so and like, and franchised so, as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's fun to get together with uh, the, the people from your generation who still, like, are writing jokes and doing comedy and talking about bits and whatever. And um, But, yeah, you, you know, every festival you go to, there's, like, uh, there's... You know what? The whole world is turning into breakdancing, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Every everywhere you go, there's a breakdancing act now, and and uh, if it's not that, it's some kind of thing that mimics that, like some kind of circus act that kind of mimics a breakdancing act. You know, just music, just tricks, um, and a kind of group mentality. Yeah, I think it's less. Um, I don't know what the word is, but it's just it's so much like like people put so much time in training, and then they go out on the street and already have this this honed skill as opposed to just mm. going out and working on it and, and figuring out how to be a street performer. It's like they've already come up with something. And then mostly I think that's, that would be for festivals though. I, I mean, I was in York um, last summer working the pitch there and there was just a couple of guys just doing, I mean, there's lots of stunts, but it was pretty streety. Mm -hmm. you know? Like the same lines. It was kind of felt old school in a way. It is funny to see brand new people uh, doing jokes from like the 80s and the 90s, you know, like, <laughs> This still gets laughs. It's yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Are are people still doing forty minute shows though? Like like I don't know. I mean, people, are. are shows still that long? Or are they are they all like fifteen minute highly edited nah, punchy nah. shows? No, nah, it's it's uh, still so like 40, I mean 40, I max out at about thirty. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, most people are still doing the the extended show, and the audience is still there for it. Um, you just need. Like, for example, in Boston, um, like on the West End, it's, you got to be quicker on the West End just because of noise and distractions and whatever. But if you go around to the South Market, it still has uh, focus um, and, uh, and you can still do a, a longer show there just because people feel like they can sit down and, and watch the show. And it's not like, you know, the breakdancing group and the drumming and, and sirens, you know what I mean? What, what was yeah. it like when my, you were there, Jim? Was it as noisy my as best what shows, I was describing? Yeah, well, my best shows ever back then were South Market. Yeah. I always liked South Market better than the West End because <laughs> it was just tucked away. Like you said, there's more focus there. And I could take my time doing a crowd build. Mm -hmm. And then once you've got them, you could say, okay, showtime, sit. And, and you'd get three rows sitting. Mm -hmm. And then you could do a 40-minute, 45-minute show after 15 minutes of crowd building. I remember doing a full hour, basically an hour of a show there. Oh. And people would sit and stay. And on the West End, I always felt like I was trying to hold the crowd mm -hmm. because the, the the edges were peeling off after every trick. And it's basically there's just still, more to see there. Yeah. yeah. It's basically still like that. I feel like I can do a bigger show on the West End, but I can do a better show with a better hat on the South Market. It's funny because they're just around the corner from each other. I know. It's like <laughs> yeah. it's just a short little walk between the it's, two. It's, yeah. yeah, it's less than 100 meters. Yeah. But there's something really cozy about South 4, and then the West End is just this – It's just there's traffic coming from six directions. 
Right. And, and there's like so that. many ways to turn and walk away. And, and you'd say that's kind of like where everyone's kind of entering Faneuil Hall would be the West End, right? Mm-hmm. right. Yeah, totally. That's so like their first experience is like, they oh, arrive, and, hey, there's something. Yeah. We haven't even gone yeah, inside they, yet, you know? Yeah. They, yeah. they come around the corner and it, and it hits them in the face and they, they go, oh my gosh. And they stop for five minutes and get their bearings. And then they oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to go in now and get some food. This will be here when I get back. But by the time they get all the way around to south 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 side, they may be a little more chilled out. Need a break. They sit and watch. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I always had better shows on South. But but yeah, it's it's I don't know. It's it a is different... my favorite pitch, probably in the world actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, lucky you live there. I mean, I live here now. You know, I I started I I came to live here because I like I like the pitch so much. Um, but yeah, in, in the recent years, it's just been yeah, it's it's all about that south pitch for me. Yeah. And so now, looking forward, we don't know what's going to happen. Like, I mean, that's kind of where we were going for a moment with that. Is like uh, how things have changed just in general over the years from when you left, Jim, and, and what street performing is now, and then what's going to happen when we can all get back to our hopefully our normal lives. What it's going to look like? Because I think right now a lot of people, you're stuck at home. They're gonna people are just going to be on their screens more. Um, mm-hmm. There, so I don't know what live live entertainment is going to look like. I think I Maybe think people, people might be are going to be hungry for it. Very very hungry for it when it when it becomes um, available to them, and I think busking um, might be one of the more resilient um, genres just because uh, we're just out where the people are. We, mm-hmm. we don't have to get them to come into a venue and pay tickets. Like we just kind of go where they are, and if they're there, we're going to be there too. Yeah, so I think point. we might be we might be some of the first to be like out of the bucket, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. I mean, you, getting people to go and sit in a a tight theater with large groups of people, people are mm-hmm. going to be very wary of that for months and years to come. Yeah, you know, but they'll stand on the street, hold back maybe a little bit. Maybe they won't be as tight. Yeah, but yeah. They'll watch it, the show. Hard, hard to pull people in. I think. I think that's going to be a thing. It's going to be hard to pull people. It's going to be hard to get volunteers uh, that want to help. Maybe you have to go through a couple of people to you get someone that wants to help. Yeah. Um, in the in the beginning, but I, I'd say like, you know, just the the vibe is probably going to be um, they're probably quite excited to be able to see something that's not on a screen. Yeah. Once that happens. Yeah. What were your last few shows like, Al? In Boston. Actually, like I did, I only did one show last week in Boston, um, and uh, it was, you know, it was already mid. It was m- maybe the tenth or eleventh of March, um, so it was already, you know, a bit of mad panic. People mm-hmm. already staying home and going to, you know, buy their groceries and whatever. So it was really quiet. And um, and Brent did a show first, and it took him all, took him a while to get a crowd. And he got like half a crowd and, and did a good show. And basically I did, um, you know, the same similar kind of show after that. Really hard build. Um, ended up with a decent crowd, but just, you know, they were happy and laughing, but they didn't want to, you know, I didn't, pick, each other. I didn't pick two guys to jump up on. I, don't, I only picked guys to hold my ropes. I offered them gloves. I brought like um, surgical gloves wow. to hold my, uh, you know, and I, I did my whole crowd build. 
I was uh, I had a Clorox um, wipes and I was wiping down all my equipment so they could see that it was all like disinfected. You know? <laughs> I was like, I'm disinfecting my equipment. And yeah, like uh, the new crowd build. Yeah, and I was like, I was uh, like, you guys want to see something dangerous? Yeah, and then I start touching my face. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it it didn't inspire me to stay and do another one, and it yeah. didn't inspire me to go back the next day. And um, but the good thing is, the week before that, I had a gig in at the Mohegan Sun, which was amazing. It was packed full of people. Mm. Uh, and it was it was kind of just before the, you know, everything kind of got serious. So it was good to have that at least uh, a nice gig to <laughs> finish out this uh, this this good run. <laughs> yeah, I had I had two nice shows on a cruise ship before it all happened. I mean, it was happening, but you know, that was my last gig. Yeah, you guys both need to get tested. You think? <laughs> <laughs> been a couple of weeks well, you, yeah you just got out of a tattoo convention and you just got mm-hmm. out of a cruise ship uh yeah maybe maybe go get tested or <laughs> at least know. quarantine is it that easy to get tested i mean it's no um, i'm kidding yeah i know but it's not that's the problem is it's not easy you can't just like the drive up things like they have in china they don't have that here no, no. they got one in, got one in uh one here in new york city but you have to go to your doctor first and get a note you can't just drive up and do it Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the cruise ship thing is that's going to be a long time before that recovers. Yeah. Oh, what? I mean, how many cruises have you been doing, Brian? I just had a whole bunch for some weird reason. I had like four more booked that two of them are definitely canceled. Two more are probably going to be canceled. But I've probably done about, I don't know, 15 or so contracts, 15 to 20 contracts in the last four years. Hmm. it's not nice. a lot a lot but the last few months i've had like four and then i had a bunch coming up four more coming up so nice wait and see what about for you jim has has, has the this changed much about what you do day to day now because you're at home you've got your farm you grow veggies like like but i'm sure that you know you obviously go out and do things from time to time <laughs> uh well no i'm i'm pretty isolated so right. i don't i don't i don't need to interact with humans ever <laughs> it's awesome it's cool <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to book anything i don't have to talk to people i don't have to make people laugh um yeah being seems like, like being, that's a terrible thing making people laugh <laughs> no, half having to make to. them laugh oh, okay, i don't right. have to right. i still can but i don't yeah. have to uh-huh. um no i uh i'm i'm lucky i'm lucky to have a, a wife who uh, is enabling me to to follow my my other passions. So uh, mm. for now things are okay. Um, but uh, yeah, we're you know we're we're building something here that I hope will turn into something when we both get to retirement age. So this is mm-hmm. sort of future planning. We're working now so that we can retire early, and then and then work for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but right. work on this and not work on not work on. Uh, you know, jobs. So, and what is it? What is it that you're, you know, you have a farm there and I was just asking about your YouTube channel. What can you talk about that that a little bit? Uh, yeah, well we, we, yeah, so we, we wanted to 
get out of the city. We wanted to kind of eventually not have a not ha- not live in the city. And I kind of was done with performing uh, for for people uh, a few years back. So one thing that I've always wanted to do was to was to have a have land and to to grow things and produce things and basically have a little farm even if it's just a hobby farm or a real farm, whatever, but I wanted to have some land and we were able to, to pull it off about 13 years ago. We got here and uh, yeah, it, I mean, we haven't really made any money. It's cost us money to do mm-hmm. this far, mm-hmm. but we're, we're turning a chunk of land into a place that we hope will someday earn money. And uh, that's the, that's the, the rough plan and it's, it's getting there. And then we hope that in the next 10 years or so, um, we will we'll be able to earn money here enough to live on our savings and then re- kind of retire with a little hobby farm and a place for people to come. And uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be cool. You what do you want to make like uh, a wedding venue kind of deal? Uh, it could be could turn into an event space, mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing. Uh, but we're we're growing fruit, and uh, the main thing right now we're doing is bees. We're doing bees oh. and honey. Um, yeah. Beekeeping has kind of become a thing, and uh, I'm getting good at it, so that's nice. Yeah. Uh, again, not not really making money really at it so far, but mm-hmm. I, did, I did start putting up my experiments on YouTube and started a channel and uh yeah now the youtube channel is making more than the farm and the beekeeping wow (laughs) kind of it's kind of nice um making the videos is 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 the is the thing now so it's kind of it's funny it's like i left street performing and left performing and started making videos on youtube and now i'm kind of performing again but on video and that is now the content is more valuable than what I'm making videos about. Right. It's kind of weird. Right. Yeah. And but yeah. the audience is definitely bigger than you oh, know, yeah. live performing. Huge. Way bigger. Yeah. No, it's it's really been shocking to get into this and and see the potential of it and um just to see the the audience grow without any promotion marketing i didn't tell anybody about it i just started putting up videos that's mm-hmm. funny I didn't, I didn't i didn't tell anybody i didn't tell my family I didn't tell anybody I didn't tell anyone that that's a performer i didn't didn't mention it and then i started making videos and i never even mentioned on the videos that i used to be a performer i just started blank slate mm-hmm. anonymous guy making videos and the audience found me that's amazing kind of like doing a street show they just that's cool because and, like You've already got like the connection with an audience that you know how to connect with people, and someone watching that doesn't know that about you, but they can feel it. Yeah, and then I had to learn how to make the videos, so mm-hmm. I had to learn how to edit and film and shoot and cameras and lighting and all that stuff. And it took me a couple of years to figure it out, but now I'm, you know, making videos every week and putting them up, and people watch them once and, a week. Again, yeah. And they have no idea my history. Like none of the people watching the videos know anything about the gym show. And wow. I've never mentioned until it. now. I don't, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't really want this getting out there. Um, and then yeah. none of the 
street performing world, unless they follow me on Instagram, they kind of maybe heard about it, but I've never mentioned it on Facebook or any to anybody. So I've never until now. Until now. Yeah. Mentioned <laughs> that I make YouTube videos. But uh yeah, the YouTube is amazing. I it used to be the thing I hated. <laughs> I, I hated YouTube for kind of ending my street performing career. Right. And then I and then I waited ten years and then embraced it and now it's now it's, it's like vehicle. the future. Mm-hmm. So I uh the the yeah. video is really entertaining too like just the stuff you do around the farm and your building uh and they're like 20 minutes long I end up watching the whole thing cuz I'm like engaged it's really cool cool man no it's it's again it's the content is is the thing now it's the videos making the videos is the thing it's not even what the videos are about yeah mm-hmm. I I I constantly compare it to street performing because learning how to make videos and put videos on youtube is exactly what i went through learning how to street perform mm-hmm. In you put up a video and it, it, it you immediately know if it's good or not because of uh, the view right. yeah, yeah it's yeah. like you walk out on the street and you do a trick and no one stops you know that trick doesn't work i'm going to try a different one and you get immediate feedback Right. Because you either get views or you don't. And you right. get likes or you don't. You get shares or you don't. Mm-hmm. And if you get a lot of likes and a lot of views and a lot of shares, the videos go viral. And then more people come in watch. And then every video gets comments. So it's like it's just the same thing as doing a show and, and having people walk away or like it or pay you or not. Right. And, uh, and, and each show what you works learn. in the video and what doesn't exactly. work. Every, yeah. every video you learn that worked. I'm going to do that more of that. And my content, I didn't expect it to be, I mean, right now it's kind of become all about bees and beekeeping. <laughs> that was tension when I started, but it's what got the views. Mm. It's like people responded to, and it's what people continue to watch. And I can put up a video about, you know, uh, you know, pruning blueberry bushes or something and, you know, it gets views, but it's whatever. But I put up a beekeeping video and it gets tons of traffic. So wow. it, it inspires you to put more beekeeping videos up. It's like right. doing like a show on the street. You do one thing, it gets a lot of applause. You want to do that more because you know it gets a good reaction. And uh, yeah, so it's the same thing. And then every every one gets better. It's like every street show you do, you have to do lots and lots of street shows mm-hmm. to get better and improve. And you you know with YouTube videos, it's the same thing. It's like your first hundred videos are going to suck, and then they start getting better. Yeah. And and then after two hundred videos, it's like hey, I got this. Now I can start playing with it. Now your personality starts coming out and your edits start getting more unique and your your content starts getting more about you and about the, the person, the character, and less about the thing you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the same thing with a street show. People watch you guys and you could be doing anything, but they're watching you. They're watching Brian. They're watching Al. True. They're not really yeah. watching Trick. Yeah, it's like you go to see Jerry Seinfeld because you want to see Jerry Seinfeld. You know, it's, it's the joke's like, hey, it's going to be funny. I don't care what he says, but you just want to go and see him in person. You know? Yeah. It's it's the the age old Robert Nelson. You know, people don't pay you because you juggled seven balls. They pay you because they like you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's it. It's like if if you are likable and you are entertaining and you 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 know, you're consistent and you keep doing what you're doing and, you know, people, people watch. It's the same thing as street performance. Yep. Yep. 
Yeah, so if anyone uh, wants a YouTube advice, I guess you can feel free to ask. <laughs> uh, I, need to st- I need to start a YouTube consultation business now. For there you sure. go. Absolutely. Yeah, perfect. I see, I, see, I see a lot of street performers, and, I, 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 and it's funny because I, I, um, I think back at all the shows I did. I mean, I, I performed for 25 years, street and gigs, and I, I, I try to think about how many people actually watched my show and you know, how, the reach I had doing what it's I countless. do, you know, and, you know, it's probably, you know, hundreds of thousands of people have seen my show live, you know, mm-hmm. um, but on YouTube, I mean, my channels, it, I mean, it's still pretty, I mean, relatively small, but I mean, I'm coming up on 10 million views of my videos mm-hmm. uh, over the last four years, which wow, is that's... far more than I ever, the uh, people who ever saw me street performing. Yeah. Um, and it's not about the views. It's not a, it's not why I'm doing it. You know, I'm not trying to get numbers, but it's just, a, it's amazing to think about the reach of, uh, of, you know, a YouTube video or any video online content. It, it, the reach is amazing. Um, and, and I see a lot of people, you know, doing what they do and, you know, the street is one thing. <clears throat> if you want to talk about doing gigs and marketing and, you know, you, you really have to embrace online digital video content get get it out there and be consistent and constantly be putting new things up and um if you want to get the reach because it's i mean you see i i watch you know there's a couple jugglers who transition to youtube and are doing very well like josh horton do you know josh horton no on youtube you guys are it's so funny like in the youtube world there's like big names like alex Mm -hmm. clark you guys know alex of course yeah you know he's got Four million subscribers on YouTube now, or something. Yeah, that's brilliant. Insane. He was mm-hmm. way, way ahead of the curve. Yeah. Uh, and it's amazing. And then Josh Horton is a juggler. He's not really a performer like like Alex is, um, but Josh Horton's a juggler who's you know million followers or something on YouTube. And there's other jugglers now that are that are getting big on Instagram, YouTube, and. It's great um, for Alex because he can put up a post and say, I'm performing at this theater next Sunday and yeah, sell, it, sell out. it out. Wow. Yeah. Right. But again, I think with Alex, kind of like me, it's the the YouTube income is way more than he's ever going to make doing a live show. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I mean, I'm not quite, I'm not nearly his level, but, uh, but I know at that level, you know, just on, on ad revenue and stuff. I mean, he, he's probably pretty comfortable now just doing mm-hmm. YouTube videos, That's amazing. But able to go do a live show and sell out anywhere in the country. Still do what you love. Yeah. 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 It's, it's amazing. So, uh, but yeah, so you, YouTube is, is not, I mean, it's something that if you embrace it and you use it, it's a, it's another tool. I used to hate it because I used to think, oh my gosh, this is destroying street performing and, entertainment because people are watching stuff on their phones and they're not going to sit still for a live show. But I think there's a way to embrace it and to use it to get people, you know, to hire you at least mm-hmm. maybe not yeah. to watch street perform, but, um, but it's definitely a, a valuable thing. Yeah. I think I mean, people just... are watching um, <clears throat> screens. I mean, now more than ever, even if, you know, even if the years before this, they were watching stuff. Now we're forced to stay home yeah. There's nothing else to do, um, you know, aside from being creative and going outside every now and then. There's nothing else to do but, like, watch things on your computer or on TV. Um, and, 
I was wondering if like if this whole virus thing is just a way of the world like trying to make us see that that's all we do and maybe like break us of the of our hmm. habit you know it's like look this know. is this is what you're doing <laughs> i mean this is like the teaching is going to go this direction and hanging out with friends is going this direction like yeah it's a screen between everything mm-hmm. but i don't know i don't know but i think maybe you're right what you're saying earlier is that you know when it all ends and shows start happening again, people are going to be really excited to not be in front of a screen, to actually being able to yeah. engage with a live performer or a live performance instead of watching one on a screen. And I watched a friend do a stand-up show the other night, and it was, you know, it's fun, it's silly, you know, she's trying to do stand-up to her two roommates, but, yeah. you know, it was something, I was washing dishes and I was watching her, it was like, it was, you know, almost yeah. like going to a show, but you're in your house, and, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just trying to be creative on on how to how to still put out content and uh, enjoy being a performer and maybe mm-hmm. make a little bit of money. But I mean, I guess Jim, you got it down with your, you know, your channel was, you know, already rolling before any of this stuff. So you're, you can just keep making. Well, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm still building. I mean, it's YouTube is, it can be, it can be fast, but it, I mean, I'm doing the slow, the slow, the slow build, mm-hmm. um, but it's, you know, it hasn't you stopped. You always did the slow build, mate. <laughs> yeah it hasn't yeah. stopped growing but this You're is uh right. this is this the channel is uh it's it's one step toward the future goal um of this whole place that we're building out here never um, have to leave <laughs> it's it's uh I, I guess sort of uh pre-branding what we're building mm-hmm. and eventually in 10 years when we have some place to open here, like a business that we want to open up. We'll already have a social media following built in that we right. can just say, "Hey, we're open," and I'll have you know five, seven, eight years, whatever of content up there that people uh, that I'll have built. So that that's kind of the plan. Um, that's cool. And you know, so but in the meantime, I'm just having fun. I've learned so much about videos and video editing, and you know performing on video it's different than live performing mm-hmm. um but uh, and also there's money you know it pays so it's yeah. pretty cool great uh, and what are you gonna do al um well i've i i started writing uh kind of a memoir last year and i just kind of forgot about it and i looked at it yesterday and i was like oh man i should keep writing this so uh today i've been just like writing a bit more about that um but uh also, last year I started my clothing company. That's right. Um, last uh, yeah. May, yeah. So I started Freak Original in May, and started bringing it to tattoo conventions that I was performing at. You know, because I would be uh, performing four times over a whole weekend at these conventions, and I was just away from home, just wasting so much time because I'm only doing one show Friday, two shows Saturday, one show Sunday. I was like, what can I do? at one of these conventions to actually be productive. So um, I started my, my clothing brand and started bringing it to these conventions every, uh, you know, every couple of weeks I go to a tattoo convention, do my shows and uh, start building my, uh, my clothing brand. And, and uh, now I'm at a point where I've just, just kind of started to like transition to selling online. I've got like an online store. I've got 12 uh, different products that I sell online um and um so now i've got to like create an ad campaign that'll um 
that'll kind of reach out on Facebook and Instagram so I can, you know, get more traffic to my website and start selling my clothing from, from online. I've got it all here, you know, I just got to put it in the post when people order it. So yep. that's no big deal, but that's, that's my, that's my uh, short term plan. Um, yeah, I don't really have, uh, I've been practicing new tricks. I've had plenty of time to practice and mm-hmm. do work around the yard and stuff. So um, I've got a list of things like a quarantine list, like Here, here's some things I can take care of while I have uh-huh. the time. Like, you know, those things that are on my to-do list that you never get around to, like, yeah. they're like, I can get around to them. Yep. So I'm kind of enjoying that, um, you know, as, as much as it's like, it's hard just to stay home and, and just go in the yard and, and, you know, just talk to the neighbors from across the, the yard. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's nice in a way to, um, to use your time creatively and, and be able to do things you, that you can't do when you're working all the time. Yeah. I think, to. I think one of the, one of the key things about what, like you and Al and I have things in common as far as, you know, being able to diversify, mm-hmm. uh, income streams, um, and, and kind of what we both did early on was, you know, to, to save money and then, invest in mm-hmm. buying a house and mm-hmm. totally. in Al's case, multiple houses, <laughs> uh, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. But you know who told uh, me I think that? I see you that was um, Robert Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all, uh, you know, and then having, having a clothing company, having a YouTube channel on the side, having mm-hmm. merch, um, diversifying the income streams is is really important for for anything but especially if you're self-employed if you're a creative person Mm -hmm. you you need to have other sources of income in case something like this comes along and just shuts down the main income Mm -hmm. and uh you know it it's it's i mean that's just the way you have to survive if you're self-employed fingers in a lot of pots yeah you can't put you can't put everything in one basket Mm -hmm. and and then rely on um so I mean, I mean, I, when I was street performing, I always had gigs on the side. Um, I think the first year I street performed, I I just street performed because I was doing like birthday parties and I had mm-hmm. a hand. But uh, it was all you know, ninety-five percent street performing income that first couple years. Mm-hmm. So I had to make all of it in six months, mm-hmm. and then through the winter. Yeah. And then I started getting gigs, and then the street was like it became like 50 50 and then it became, you know, the gigs were 80% of the income. Mm. And, and then, you know, I was, I could, I could take a hit if one or the other started to fail or had, you know, a slow season or whatever, Mm -hmm. I could get more street shows or whatever. So it it, diversification is, is very important. Mm -hmm. Uh, And those, those are the, those are the people who survive stuff like this. Um, yeah, it's yeah, just the, uh, the main income stream is uh, taking the hit right now. You know, that's it. Yeah, yeah. But the other things are still happening. So yeah, I feel, I feel good about that. Diversification, but the other thing is uh, saving, save, save, yeah. save. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't yet, street performers, talk to an accountant, talk to an investment planner, and start start saving. Totally. Best thing. Buy start property. A, start a SEP IRA, Roth, whatever you have to do, but that this is so important when you're in your twenties and you got, you know, a couple extra grand a year, start saving. It'll feel really good when you're 50. 
believe me. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, buy property. I've never made money faster than um, capital gain. Mm. It's crazy. You buy a house and then five, six, ten years down the track, it's worth double. That's crazy. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's having to rely on those things is like well. I've got a few rental properties and that, but uh, everyone's out of work. Uh, my tenant's going to be paying their rent or not? I don't know. Yeah. Um, are people going to be online shopping for my clothing brand since they don't have a job? Uh, maybe not. Yeah. So it's still, you know, and my main income stream, you know, which is probably where you were at, Jim, is, you know, 20% street and 80% paid gigs now. Um, that's all. That's gone for the time being. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. I'm just uh, just going to go drive Uber or something uh, <laughs> if times well, get real tough. Come in. That's that's where the yeah. savings. Yeah, savings yeah. and then just riding out Everything. the storm and then, uh, you know, your your YouTube channel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the way to go, streaming and YouTube. Yeah, it is It is the same. It, it You know, the, the standing at talking to the camera for YouTube is so much like doing a street show. That, yeah. That, I don't. I don't ever ask for money on YouTube, though. I'm just right now. I'm just doing AdSense and rely mm-hmm. on ads. I don't do any. I don't do sponsored videos. I don't ask mm-hmm. for money. I don't have Patreon or anything. I'm just doing ads. Uh, but I, I thought about making a hat pitch, but I, I don't feel I'm quite ready yet to do that. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. And I'd probably make a lot more money, but I feel like I don't want to put that on the video. I want the mm-hmm. video to just stand there and you know, be a thing that people watch. And it, the other great thing about making a video, it's like you do a street show and you finish the show and it's, it's over, it's gone and there's, it's done, it's over. And you have Mm -hmm. to go out and do it again to make the money again. But when you make a YouTube video, it just plays while you sleep Mm, and it's always on and, and you make 200 of them and they're all playing while you sleep. So they're all getting watched. And, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's like doing your best show you ever did and then walking away from it, but it's still going on and still making money, you know? Right. So, so you, you can edit the video and then put it up there and then make a new one. That's all completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, re- it's refreshing, you know, I, I mean, cool. I did my, my same show for 20 years and, uh, I, I got to admit it was always fun, but it started getting a little boring at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's why you stopped. <laughs> it's funny. But, because, uh, like, but I can just go out and make a new video every day and talk about whatever I want. And it's all new. It's Edit all it differently. Yeah. Because like a live show isn't anything. It's not anything. It's just right. some people watching something. And once it's over, it's nothing again. Like uh, it's a memory in their head. That's all mm-hmm. it is. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And you get you get paid at the end, which is which is fair, you know. But then the thing is, you're only one person, and you you have to go back and do it again to make that money again. Yeah. And when you can't work, you you you're not going to get paid. So, um, yeah, I don't know. There's there's something about it, and uh, I think I took all the stuff I learned street performing and turned it into something else. Uh, but you know, using new tools you know, the new, the new thing, mm-hmm. and, uh, but using what I learned on the street, you know, to do what I'm doing now. And it, it's transitioned very naturally. 
Great. Um, I'm going to take a leak. Do you mind if I do that real quick? Okay. I'm going to pause the recording. Al's taking a piss and feeling better. I'm Good. feeling better, yeah. yeah. Okay. Wash my hands. Good. Good. <laughs> so uh, just to, to close things out, you want to talk a little bit about the um, the inductions this year. Al, Al yeah. you, you took it over from David. And well, you yeah, won. Dave asked me, like, all. what's that? I said, and you won. That doesn't seem shady at all. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask okay. you guys about how these votes were counted and everything. Because okay, I mean, let me explain everything. I'll to explain. <laughs> um, so Dave asked me, A, can I take over the inductions to the Busker Hall of Fame? And B, do I want a box of Busker Hall of Fame junk? I said, <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> I said, you've got the house, you keep the Busker Hall of Fame junk. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take over the vote. So how do I do that? And he sent me all his instructions how to do it. First, you got to email all the people who are, are you know in the Busker Hall of Fame or have contributed to the Busker Hall of Fame in some way. It's a list of I don't know 60 odd people, and you got to ask them for three names who they believe uh, who they would nominate for uh, to be in the Busker Hall of Fame. So I got a response from probably two thirds of the people. Um, and we had um, over fifth, over 60 names, uh, over 60 nominations. Wow. And um, yeah, and Jim, uh, myself, Jim, and Glenn Singer um, all had more than f- uh, five or more nominations. And um, and then I and then I you know then I put out the vote for the public. And um, and and Dave said you, you basically add the nominations to the vote. And uh, when when the voting closed on March tw- March 21st, um, the nominations and the vote with me and Jim were both the same number. <laughs> and uh, poor old Glenn Singer was pretty far behind. But uh, we love you, Glenn. Uh, we we do love you, Glenn. Do. And and I, I actually voted. I nominated and voted for Jim because uh, I've been doing that for I don't know the last since it began. Uh, <laughs> and I was surprised at how many people like maybe just got the email from me and were like. Uh, I guess, I guess you. you know. <laughs> I don't want to insult Al. Uh, who can I think of? Well, he just emailed me. <laughs> and uh, and the other uh, um, posthumous inductee um, was um, Sam Skirfield from Sam and Andy. And um, yeah, basically, uh, you know, I'd heard that he passed away, and Guy Collins reached out to me. He was like, maybe you know, this is the kind of person that should be in the Basketball of Fame. I'm like, absolutely. He helped a lot of uh, performers in Edinburgh and in England. You know, coming up, uh, performed at the Edinburgh Festival since like I think 1988 or 89, and um, was famous for um, climbing up like 30, 40 feet up up between the pillars on the mound. And uh, there's a picture of him, which is I sent to Magic Brian, which is going to be on the on his um, page on the Busker mm-hmm. Hall of Fame. Yep. And it's 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 so high, like it's so Crazy. high. <laughs> He'll climb all the way up there and juggle uh, fire torches, and the crowds are huge. And anyway, busking legend passed away, and um, so yeah, posthumous inductee also, you know, you know, unvoted uh, will be Sam, and um, and the two inductees were tie with me and jim and that's crazy because jim's one of my heroes yeah that's awesome and you mine al yeah i mean we i've i've known you since 1998 in yeah. ottawa right yeah. yeah 
Yeah, it was. Was that um, like your first first time in Canada? Um, or had you been up there before? Yeah, it was. I'd been in um, I'd been in Vancouver and Toronto, and then in Ottawa, and I'd been in Ottawa for maybe a month, um, or you know June, July, a few weeks, and then I'd been performing at the market, and uh, and then it was time for oh. the Ottawa Busker Fest. And I was like, "What's this?" And so I went and I met the the director, Jason. And I saw I saw Jim, I saw Flying Bob, I saw Bato, and all these performers that like were professional. You know what I mean? I was like, "Oh man, like these aren't like the guys at the pitch in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Uh, these guys have like signs with their name on it and and funny ways to collect money and and like costumes and and microphones and music and stuff." I was just like, "Wow, this is." This is cool. Like all these these acts are like actually like there's these these are these are pros compared to me. You know, I was like I'm doing big shows, but they're like they're on a different level. Um, so I I talked to the director and he yeah, he let me um uh you know do the odd show at the festival like kind of after it was over I'd get the ten o'clock spot somewhere. Um, and I met Jim and Jim had said that he lived in Boston and I was probably always like looking for new places to perform and. Yeah, and he he probably kept it on the DL, like oh yeah, we <laughs> we, uh, we have we have a, a pitch, yeah. <laughs> you know that was about it. And uh, I think the next the night the next year uh, I came up and um, I'd been to like LA, I'd been to San Fran, I'd been to New Orleans, I'd been to New York, and um, Master Lee hooked me up with Peter Gross and was like you know um, see if this guy can help you get into Faneuil Hall and. And he did, and and then I met Jim again, and just watched all his shows, and was just like, mate, total legend. I remember, yeah, I remember meeting you in in Ottawa, and every it would be like every time I, you weren't really on the program or anything, you just were like this extra busker that wasn't on <laughs> yeah. the roster, and every time I go in the green room, you'd be in in the corner counting money. I remember it. every time I'd walk in, you'd be in the corner counting money, and nothing has changed. Uh, but you, 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 you were always, you were just so excited and and upbeat, always just like positive and just bouncing off the walls. I just remember you, you were just such a nice guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I, you know, we we went our separate ways, and then I heard you were coming to Boston, and you showed up, and yeah, it's it's uh, that's pretty much when I retired. Right, right around that time, <laughs> take it over, Al. Uh, it just I uh, passed the torch on, and it's like it was it was for you now. No, yeah. it was uh, it was great to see you in Boston, and yeah, it, you you just every year just got bigger and bigger and bigger. It was great watching you watching you. Well, I think become I found my, Alec uh, Zam. For real, for real. Yeah, I found my I found my home because like Sydney is a decent pitch, and at the certain time of day, it can be a, a great spot, um, but. It comes with like the restriction of, you know, the Australian audience. You can only do so much in your show in Australia, yeah, without people leaving. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I found in Boston they were a much more forgiving audience, and they would stick with you if you wanted to try something, try going on a tangent, try a new joke, you know, try a new trick. Um, and and, uh, and obviously, like I just earned better money here than I did in Australia, so. That's where the transition came from. But, uh, yeah, it just became my, uh, now it's my home, you know. Like, Sydney doesn't really have a good busking scene anymore. And all the people that I used to busk with, like, are barely there. And all the people have moved on to different things. It's been 10 years this year since I moved. Um, 
from uh, from Sydney to Boston. So yeah, it was uh, it was it was pretty crazy thinking about that. Like wow, I've been away from Australia for ten years already. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, it's not all bad though. It's 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 great. This is like I feel like this is the definitely in America is the mecca of street theater. Really. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I guess you know, there isn't any yeah. real regular working pitches anywhere else that are consistent. I mean, I mean New Orleans, San Francisco but... um, oh, yeah, has a, a good program with a lot of performers. Uh, there's other places with a lot of performers, but I think the difference is in Boston, the program, everyone is so good. Mm-hmm. Like just the, the caliber of entertainer is amazing. You go to another pitch and you might get one or two good acts and, and nine really not so good acts. Whereas you go to Boston, you can watch you can watch a good show. Like in summertime, any time of day is going to be someone on who's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, the season is shorter here. Mm-hmm. It's only like a six, seven month season. Mm-hmm. But there's something about there's something about the consistency of of good acts here, and also the buffer of Faneuil Hall being private property mm-hmm. and being able to keep you know. You know, the 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 circus of of the fringe of of the the craziness kind of a little bit off the property to give you a little bit of a buffer so you can do Mm -hmm. a good show, you know, because Harvard Square, it was great for a long time. And then it just it got it just got either got too drowned out and a lot of the best variety acts kind of walked away because it was Mm -hmm. just too loud. And then, yeah, the, then the pitch died because of because of you know just the the clientele changed and the people changed and the, the businesses changed mm-hmm. and whatever. But um, but Harvard was always hard to perform because it was just too noisy. Mm-hmm. And then Faneuil, there's you you could get your spot for a couple hours straight and uh, yeah, you just do your show. Mm-hmm. So it 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 kind of bred a really good act, you know, because you could focus on doing your show. Yeah. Uh, so. But yeah, it was it's, a, it's, was uh, a heyday like back then when I first came here. Like, cause I just remember there'd be people all over the property performing. Oh yeah. Like it was like West One, West Two, South One, South Two, South Three, South Four, North, just all over all day. Like now, it's different now. You know, like there's there's the West End and that'll happen, and there's the South Market and that'll happen, and there's be a statue and sometimes a magician, but it's not. It doesn't feel as alive as it used to back then. Hmm. I remember the 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 first couple of years I was out there ninety three ninety four on a Saturday afternoon you had to beat back the crowd to make a space to do a show oh, yeah. wow you had to push people out of the say I'm doing a show please make space for me because it was yeah. just packed that's incredible and then at the end of end of my tenure there uh, you know I had shows where I'd bail because I couldn't get a crowd yeah you know. Saturday afternoon, you're like, I'm gonna wait half an hour because it's just it's dead here. There's nothing going on, or mm-hmm. people aren't right, whatever. Um, but yeah, it's I saw the the two ends of the spectrum for sure. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it's like now, but it it definitely it seemed to dip a little bit in the the mid 2000s. There, mm-hmm. uh, it started getting really hard. Yeah, it went through a, it went through some tough times there and after the 2008 crash. And then like it's been it's been pretty good the last few years because we've we've had a good dialogue with the management, but uh like 2013, 14, 15 was really tough. We actually had to go like a legal battle with Fanny Hall. 
Um, so they they couldn't tell us what we can and can't say. Wow. Um, yeah, I remember that. And anyway, so we we ends up winning that. So they relaxed all that stuff, and and ever since then we've been like we've had really good terms with them, and and now we have an online draw. We can choose our spots, like whatever spots you want, you just choose them in the draw. We sit at home on a Google document, and uh, we're all on like a conference call. Well, I want uh, three o'clock on next Thursday, and and uh, you know you just choose the days you want, which is great. And you guys set up your own yeah. kind of little committee, like they have in London, right? Yeah, we've got like our own little committee. Yeah, I used to be the uh, the 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 talk the, the the what do you call it the the leader or the you know the liaison. Yeah, I used to be the person. Who, okay, if you got a problem, tell to me, and I'll tell the management. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, now it's Brent. Um, Brent, I think Brent is more articulate. He's more intelligent, and just has a better idea of. <laughs> I don't know. He's, he's he's better at it than me. Uh-huh. Uh, so and it was great for him to take over because it just meant less stress on me. Yeah. Good. So that's it. Now, uh, now Jim and I and Sam are 2020 uh, inductees. That's crazy. Yeah. Congratulations. And and what do we what do we get for that? You get, uh, uh, the get admiration of is there all like the a performers. is there like a trophy or something? There, or? Uh, there was. There's a trophy. There's a, a cast of a trophy, but um, we didn't have the money to YouTube get it channel. made. Yeah. Now there's a cast. Do we each get it for six months or something, or how do we do? Pass it on? Or? <laughs> You'd have to just. You guys, yeah, it'd be hard. Now uh, there is a trophy. Oh, that we get our name. Our Your name's, name's on in the, the table on the on the page. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, Got yeah, it. Got it. It would be cool if there was a physical thing like, uh, you know, within something engraved. There is. Yeah, well, that's what I was trying to. That's what oh, I was trying, trying to say. Oh. Yeah, it's getting bits. <laughs> no joke. I'm trying to tell you that there is, there is a, a Rachel. Remember, you know, Rachel Peters. She's mm-hmm. a she's a chalk artist. She's an amazing illustrator and artist. And she, David, had commissioned her to make a trophy, and she made the cast for it. I think. Uh, but it did, the, there's not enough money in the account, in the Busker Hall of Fame account, to actually make the actual trophy. Mm, okay. that, that was a tro- like she has like, there's parts of it that are made, but it, it's mm. the cast. But to actually make the trophy itself is, so there's a drawing of it on the Busker Hall of Fame website of the uh, the inductees, and it's like a hand passing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Right. 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 Go to the website. You'll see. There's an image of that up there. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's not a real thing though. No. She only has the. I'll have to find out what she had. What she made. She made some of it. It was a while ago. I was getting pictures from David of this thing she was making, and then he just didn't have the money to to actually finish the project. It's just it's expensive to make a trophy. Yeah. Oh, totally. Right. Well. Just know your name's on the website that no one goes to, so you got that. Yeah, people, you gotta go. You gotta go listen to these episodes. Tell your friends. This this is uh, it, it's a it's a wonderful, amazing archive of of stories and 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 just it's just it's just great. I'm so glad that that stories from the pitch exists. And uh, yeah, it's like it, what it's I was really saying great. earlier. The, 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 the show being Ryan and sorry. Go ahead, no, no, go ahead. Over. <laughs> talking over each other. It's, it's so it's 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 great that it exists and it's great that you've taken it over and we really appreciate it because it's it's I think it's incredibly valuable and it's very entertaining and uh it it's it's just good that it's there. So keep thanks. doing it. Yeah, I'm I'm working yeah, on buddy. it. Yeah. Well, thanks for being a part of it and um being a part of the community and and even though you're you're not doing stuff, you're still there, Jim. 
We know you're there with your the ye old peanut thing page. I'm still on. doing stuff. I'm not I know, even. I know. I'm, I'm not even. You a, next. I'm not even a moderator there anymore. So no, I know. I know. Gave that to Martin. Martin. Martin is is in charge over there. So. Uh, and performers.net. I want to just give an update. I have no idea what's going on. Um, the site is down. It's still exi- It's still like there, but it's down. It doesn't work. So I'm sorry. But uh, I'm trying to get um, Nick over at busk.co um, to import it and okay. to get it at least get it up as an archive uh-huh. on that site. Yeah. Uh, he was trying to do it, but we ran into some glitches with software and I don't know what's going on, but we're trying to get it somewhere posted again so that it at least is a readable archive. Yeah. Because great stuff on there. it's great that it's there again, same kind of thing. I just wanted it to exist. So made it and put it up and hosted it, but um, it just doesn't work anymore because the software is, is 15 years old and it's yeah. just spammy and, uh, it's 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 not nice, but once we once we figure it out, it'll be live again someday. Uh, but for now, it's just the Facebook page. All right. Cool. All right, guys. Well, thanks for uh, taking the time on your right. uh, quarantine days. Our quarantine days. <laughs> we got all the time in the world. I man. know. I know. I know. <laughs> we could do another one tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, congratulations again, and. Be well, be safe, wash your hands, and use sanitizer. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Brian. Love you all. Bye, everyone. So there you have it. I'd like to once again congratulate Al and Jim and, of course, Sam for all their contributions to street performing and being inducted into the Busker Hall of Fame. Also, thanks to Al and Jim for taking the time out of their busy quarantine schedule to have a chat. And this podcast is a labor of love, but we do need sponsorship to keep it going. So if you'd like to become a sponsor of the podcast, contact me at magic at buskerhalloffame.com. You can also visit the Busker Hall of Fame website and throw a little love into our online hat by clicking on the donate button. Or become a sustaining supporter of this project at patreon.com forward slash buskerstories. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help grow this resource and generate more content. Thanks in advance for supporting this project and helping keep busking history alive. Music for this podcast came from 357 Lover. Links to both songs are available in the notes section of the episode on the Busker Hall of Fame website. You can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell a friend about it and leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. If you'd like someone to be interviewed or feel a certain voice has not been heard, please reach out to me and let me know. We're doing our best to capture interviews and stories with as many performers as we possibly can. So on behalf of myself and the rest of the team of the Busker Hall of Fame, stay safe, wash your hands, stay positive, and know that things will get better, and people will be dying to see some street performers. Maybe dying is not the right word. They will not be able to contain themselves. They There will be a time that we'll be out there gathering crowds in a safe environment, making them happy and entertaining them and getting paid for it. So remember, if you can't laugh at yourself, find someone else and laugh at them. I'm Magic Brian, and thanks for listening. <laughs>